0: You're listening to episode 14 of Chirps, a St. Louis Cardinals podcast for Birds on the Black. He's Alex, I'm Tara, and that guy over at 3rd, well, that's Matt Carpenter, again. Everyone, especially football fans who are now rejoining the world of baseball after the Super Bowl concluded. Uh, I don't know. Was it good for you? I hope it was good for you. I feel like it was good for a lot of well, as good as it could be, I guess, under the circumstances for a lot of St. Louis fans. Uh, don't worry, though, football fans. We saved all of the good off-season stuff for you. At least that's what I'm going to assume is happening. We were just waiting until everyone was paying attention to baseball again. And of course, welcome back to all of you who don't take an off-season from baseball because you're the real MVPs. Let's be honest. Um, so Alex is actually out sick today, so pinch hitting, making his chirps debut, and keeping me from talking to myself for the next thirty minutes or so is the one and only Nicholas Childress. You may know from uh, some of the cool cover art, among other things, over at Birds on the Black. He also happens to have been the inspiration for my brief but very committed bandwagon fandom of the Kansas City Chiefs. Nick, I'm really glad that you're here so that I don't have to do this by myself tonight.
1: <laughs> yeah, this is this is the first time I've ever done a podcast, so it's definitely going to be uh very interesting to see how it goes.
0: Well, I'll tr- I'll try to break you in easy, but the good news is we're talking about something that uh I think a lot of people have very strong opinions about. So, uh we should be able to we should be able to handle that. But before we get to that, I did want to say, I very much enjoyed my brief Chiefs fandom, uh, and I'm already looking forward to next season.
1: Yeah, you better get ready. It's definitely a roller coaster ride because uh, next year they could definitely be like a 500 team, or like some, something could completely go off the rails. So, I mean, I'm not going to say that I don't trust Patrick Mahomes, but there's just as a Chiefs fan, you never learn to fully or You don't. You learn to not fully commit.
0: <laughs> well, uh, I have never been fully committed to any football team. I didn't grow up in an area where we had a football team, uh, a professional team. So I never had the sort of geographic attachment to, uh, to football the way that I did with baseball because my dad was from St. Louis. So, um, you know, I'm willing to, willing to, to give it a shot to, uh, to be invested. Um, even though sometimes I think I'm crazy enough with the investment in baseball that maybe, maybe I don't have that kind of, uh, um, emotional willpower to care that much about another team. We'll see. Yeah,
1: I mean, I definitely appreciated your, like, you seem like you actually really cared. So, I mean, I definitely appreciated that because it, a lot of times I'm not really involved in Chiefs Twitter at all, which is kind of weird because of how involved I feel in Cardinals Twitter, but like I've never really found that area of Twitter. So it's, it was nice to see someone else on the timeline actually care and, like, uh, respond to things that I was saying. So
0: well, I'm nice. glad that I could, uh, you know, provide a, a little bit of interest, um, yes. <laughs> even if I was a little late to the late to the party there. Um, but back to baseball, because that is uh, that's what we really want to talk about anyways. Right. Yes. Um, no news on Well, like the baseball front in general, as we keep saying at the top of the show every week, nothing has happened um, except for the possibility of Bryce Harper sort of trying to troll the internet with a a very vague tweet um, here and there. But that is the extent of it. No big Instagram drama this week. So we don't have that to dive into. Um, So Alex and I had planned to talk tonight about Matt Carpenter because... Man, I feel like for someone who's been one of the best players the Cardinals have had uh, on their roster in a long time, he takes a lot of heat from a lot of Cardinals fans. And on the flip side, he can also be the the sort of lightning rod that um, sets the world on fire, like we saw in August last year. So, Nick, I want to um, kind of start with this as far as Matt Carpenter is concerned. Obviously, moving to third base with the addition of Paul Goldschmidt has a lot of people concerned. It's actually a return to his original position. We read uh, earlier last week that he's kind of coming into the season with a a chip on his shoulder because he doesn't think people feel like he can handle third base in his old age. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So what's, what do you feel like the, 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 vibe is right now for Matt Carpenter is he the kind of guy that's going to come in with this chip on his shoulder and and use that to his advantage or is it going to kind of backfire because he's trying too hard because that's a thing we've seen with him too
1: <laughs> Well I mean one thing that I'm probably probably one of my biggest flaws is that I'm a enormous optimist which <laughs> can is a is a curse and a blessing because it can get really annoying sometimes but I think that my opinion on the matter is that I think that Matt Carpenter can really handle like anything that's thrown at him because he's shown like time and time again that he can play second base. He can play third base. And I mean, he wasn't even a first baseman and he's done a pretty good job at it. And I mean, the bat's always going to be there. So that's going to be something that kind of, uh, you know, makes people look away from third base a little bit. And I mean, I don't, I've never really like thought of him as a bad defender anyway. I mean, he's got an interesting throwing motion and a kind of not, (laughs) not the strongest arm, but like I've never thought of him as a bad fielder. And I don't think that that's going to change now.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, he's not, you know, if you want sort of the comparison of someone who you watch play defense and go, oh, that's that's not going to work. Right, well, he's not cold. I mean, long. Yeah, of course. <laughs> um, I see what you did there. Uh, no, but but see, we we had we had the the direct comparison right at first base with Jose Martinez last year. You saw what a really bad defender looks like then it's not Matt Carpenter. He was – everyone – it's interesting this offseason because a lot of people will say, okay, by the metrics, Matt Carpenter was actually better at third base last year. And then other people will say, yeah, but did you watch him play third base last year? Um, So I I tend to agree with you in that I I think you almost throw all of that out the window when Matt Carpenter is concerned because if you give him a task, he's going to figure out how to complete it. I mean, that's what he did when they asked him to come in and play second base no one thought that Matt Carpenter could be a competent second baseman. Um, and they gave him an offseason to learn it, to, to work on it. And he ended up being an all-star that year. And it, it was not necessarily because of his defense, but that didn't hurt him in making his case for the all-star team. So I tend to agree that I think the best thing he has going for him in this defensive change is that he knows about it now. And Mm -hmm. he has so much time to do what Matt Carpenter does and work and work and work and work and work until he can prove everyone wrong.
1: Absolutely. He's been totally just, like, kind of pushed around and made play whatever position is open. And I think that, you know, having that sort of solid, um, that sort of confirmation that you're going to be playing, like, most likely one position as long as Paul Goldschmidt doesn't get injured – like you're going to most likely be playing that injury or that position for most of the year is probably really reassuring for him. And I mean, like as a baseball, as a former baseball player, I mean, I only played in high school, but like you always like to stay in your same position. I feel like it's just the consistency like of anything else. It's just, you feel more comfortable doing the same thing every single day when you get the rep repetitions.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I think for a guy like Carpenter, like I said, he's, Known for his work ethic to the point where a few years ago, they literally had to force him to stop playing because of exhaustion. (laughs) I mean, this is not a guy that's going to just kind of show up and be like, I don't know, wherever you want me to play. Um, So I think I was reading that he, I think I looked at the numbers, he didn't start more than like 75 games in one position last year because he moved around the field so much. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's great that he's capable of that. But I feel like for him to be able to focus on being the best at a position, um, you know, having that uh, decided so early is, is only going to benefit him, as well as, you know, kind of this idea that now he feels like he has to, live up to what's going to happen on the opposite corner, right? Mm-hmm. I think he's competitive enough that he's going to see Paul Goldschmidt making plays and he's going to want to return the favor on the other side of the field.
1: That would be amazing. Honestly, that's super exciting to think about. Just both of them kind of like competing and like at the plate, you know, one one batting right after the other unless Matt Carpenter has to lead off, you know, whatever. <laughs> but <laughs> but I mean, just this, those two baseball players trying to make each other better. Uh, than they've been is just like that that's a dream come true if you're a Cardinals fan honestly
0: yeah it's kind of mind-boggling when you think about those two guys getting even better if that's possible I want to come back to the lead-off thing because uh, (laughs) that's obviously part of this whole Matt Carpenter conversation but I don't want to I don't want to go away from the defense uh, quite yet because (laughs) um, I I think that one thing that is interesting uh, we hear a lot about Uh, Jose Okendo and how he's sort of this magician with with infielders. Um, I was reading about Matt Carpenter today and he was saying that Okendo basically sent him into this offseason with actual videos of (laughs) Okendo showing him footwork and how to improve his movement at third base so that he could go home and study it, and I really just wanted to acknowledge that because I think it's phenomenal That's that hilarious. Jose Kendo sends guys video of himself doing what he wants them to do.
1: I'm totally imagining him making these videos and like <laughs> trying to figure out like how to turn the camera on and stuff like while he's like setting it up and everything. <laughs> and it, it, amazing, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs>
0: Um, so the thing about Matt Carpenter at third is obviously his his throwing arm. Um, I think they he even talked that this last year, they, they changed his positioning a little bit at third base. They moved him off the line a little bit to give him some more range. So it's not as if he's uh, unaware of some of the limitations, but the arm situation, the throwing motion you mentioned, the mm-hmm. shoulder issues that have been a problem the last couple of years, that's where... Uh, There is a little bit of a concern for me because that's sort of out of his control, right? He can't necessarily (laughs) determine whether his shoulder is going to hurt or not that day. Um, But I wonder if because of how bad it was a couple of years ago, um, we're kind of expecting the worst with the shoulder situation. Rusty Grapple wrote about this not too long ago and basically was saying, like, I think we're probably blowing this a little bit out of proportion as far as the shoulder is concerned, because when Matt Carpenter has a chance to make a play, he typically makes the play. It's not always pretty, but he makes the play.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Matt Carpenter to me is the definition of what a solid baseball player is. And obviously he provides that at the at the plate with, you know, um, battling so many pitches off and everything. But you never, I never look at him in the lineup at second or third base and think, Oh no, here we go. This is going to be at least one error for Matt Carpenter. It's just like, he might not make the diving play down the line where he has to throw it off of one or get up and throw it off of his knees and stuff. But he's, he's definitely going to like field his position and field it, you know, at least to an a slightly above average, like level. I mean, he's not going to, he's not going to be out there and like be a huge liability.
0: Yeah, yeah, and that was sort of the point that Rusty was making Is that he may not get to He's not going to be Nolan Arenado Yeah, exactly. <laughs> He's not going to get to balls that Right, or Machado um, He's not going to get to every ball That's that's hit down the third baseline That no human should normally be able yeah. to get to <laughs> But if he can get to it The odds are pretty good And the numbers bear this out That he's going to make the play um, I think, uh, and I'm curious if, if you would agree I actually think the addition of Paul Goldschmidt at first will actually make Matt Carpenter a better third baseman because um, (laughs) similarly, uh, if Paul Goldschmidt can get to the ball, he's going to make a play, Mm -hmm. unlike some of the guys who were at first base on occasion last year that Matt Carpenter was throwing to at first base. So to me, it it kind of, I don't know if that cancels out the, the perceived weakness of Matt Carpenter at third, but I do think that it helps when you're talking about Carpenter and his potential shoulder issues or throwing motion or whatever, if he can get it in the general vicinity of Paul Goldschmidt, mm-hmm. I feel like he's going to be able to catch it.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's. I feel like that's kind of the job as a first baseman because you don't really range too much. Right. Um, at least most – I'm trying to think of a first baseman that does, and there's not really any that you think making yeah. a diving play. I mean, that's just not how first base works. Right. Um, but I, I mean, I, I haven't really thought about that really – um, making Matt Carpenter improve himself. But I mean, I, I definitely don't see why it couldn't because of how solid of a, you know, defender that he's been in the past and how solid of a defender that Paul Goldschmidt is.
0: Yeah. And then I I think when you pair that with Colton Wong at second with, uh, I think an improved Paul DeYoung at shortstop, um, even though that was sort of, uh, halted a bit with the injury last year, I, I think we saw some pretty significant strides from him. Um, Maybe Matt Carpenter at third base isn't his ideal position, but to me it still feels like that infield got a lot better with the addition of Paul Goldschmidt and a Matt Carpenter who can solely focus on third base.
1: Absolutely. that, that um, Jose Martinez being at first base kind of just throws everything off, and it just makes it feel like there's a lot of insecurity there. So yeah. I think that having someone that's at least competent at each position – really just at least for the way I feel about it makes me feel a lot more comfortable with the situation.
0: Yeah, totally. And and um,
1: and the bats, <laughs> I mean the the bats absolutely I think right. make up for it. Like I mean <laughs> yeah. Matt, having Matt Carpenter just because you have to put him at third base. I mean, that's definitely like he's he's a good third like a decent third baseman and then one of the best hitters in the in the NL, so I mean.
0: Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> let's talk about that a little bit because um he uh, much like Paul Goldschmidt actually got off to a terrible start to last season and it took him a long time to sort of figure it out. And then all of a sudden we saw the August version of Matt Carpenter, um, where we all realized how, yeah, he actually is still one of the best, one of the best hitters in the league. Um, whether it's at leadoff or somewhere else down in the lineup, you know, I, I maintain that the reason Matt Carpenter has to hit leadoff is because the Cardinals don't actually have another leadoff hitter. Yeah. Um, but it's, he's also pretty good there. So fine, leave him <laughs> there, whatever. It's, uh, I refuse to believe that he to. can't hit anywhere else. <laughs> um, but pairing him with someone like Paul Goldschmidt, uh, <laughs> I was also reading today that the two of them have all already talked about why the beginnings of their 2018 seasons were so bad and how to avoid that again this year. Um is Matt Carpenter's not necessarily the guy that you think about being super inconsistent, but I don't know that he's put together a a really consistent, really complete season from start to finish. In a long time. I mean, 2015 was a pretty good year. 2013 was of his first All Star season, mm-hmm. um, but it's it's kind of a, a great opportunity for him um, to kind of shake off that inconsistent reputation that has sort of followed him around the last couple of years by getting off to a quicker start.
1: Yeah, a lot of Matt Carpenter for me, I think, is kind of like an eye test thing because I watch so many games and he just puts. I mean, almost, there was a few at-bats where he would have bad strikeouts last year, but but almost every Matt Carpenter at-bat is a solid at-bat. Like, he battles yeah. he battles off pitches that a lot of people wouldn't, and I think, to me, like, even though he has never really been consistent for a full season, that has a lot of value to me with his on-base percentage, and, you know, just he just gets on base. Like, he, he always puts the ball in play. I mean, I guess he has been striking out a lot more, so, I mean, maybe that's not necessarily true, but... <laughs> But it's it's just I don't know, I just feel like I just feel like Matt Carpenter, like I said before, is like he's like what I would call the definition of a solid uh like a solid hitter.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. I I remember a lot of conversations last year um, and pieces written at birds on the black actually by Zach Gifford kind of trying to figure out what was going on with Matt Carpenter because the beginning of the season was so unlike him because he was striking out more. Um, He was striking out a lot looking, which was very unusual for Matt Carpenter. Uh, And Zach at one point came to the conclusion that he was being too patient. He was taking too many pitches and it kind of seemed like, you know, he talked in, in spring training, which I think a lot of people forget for Matt Carpenter spring training was very abbreviated last year. Um, He didn't even play in games until there were like two weeks left of spring training. And I think that may have contributed to the slow start, but that's not the point. Um, The point (laughs) is uh, he talked in spring training about trying to get out of the mentality of trying to hit home runs and going back to what made him so consistent as a hitter in that, 2013, 2015 season where he was hitting doubles all doubles. over the place. Um, that's the best version of Matt Carpenter, I think. And oh, yeah. I, I think he knows that um, and and he was trying to get back to that. So it to me kind of felt like an overcompensation at the beginning of the season to, um, you know, get out of some of those bad habits about s- of, of swinging at pitches that he would try to hit for home runs instead of making good contact. Um, so when he's not doing that, there are very few guys in baseball. And, and if you look at just about any plate discipline numbers, they bear this out as well. Uh, uh, outside of Joey Votto, <laughs> Matt Carpenter is one of the best in the game, not just, not just in the NL central, not just in the NL at, at taking those good at bats. Um, and when he gets away from that, or maybe when he's um, trying to overcompensate for for a flaw or a perceived flaw anyway that he's trying to fix, um, it looks a lot, it looks very unlike the Matt Carpenter we've we've gotten so used to.
1: Yeah. And, and I, didn't we see a lot of, I, I think Zach wrote a piece about him actually like putting the ball in play like really hard and like having a lot of bad luck and stuff too. Yeah. Because yeah, I remember like him, all, I, I mean... Of course, like when you watch the game every day, you think, oh, Matt Carpenter's been hitting or he's been like getting out a lot or he's been hitting the ball a lot. You don't really I I don't necessarily look at the stats like every single game. But it's just like it it looked like he was still even like putting together decent at bats Mm -hmm. and just not getting the results that we normally expect from Matt Carpenter.
0: Yeah. In fact, I think there was a point last season. Matt Carpenter is not really known for being a big analytics guy.
1: Yeah,
0: (laughs) Um, He's kind of just a give me a bat and let me go hit guy. No gloves. Um, Yeah, no gloves, (laughs) no gloves. (laughs) Ruins everything. Um, But at one point he did, and he talked about this, that he went to the analytics guys and, and was like, what? Is what am I missing? What's what's happening here? And they basically told him, like,
1: <laughs> keep doing you, <laughs> you're,
0: keep doing what you're doing, and eventually, eventually, um, you know, the hits are going to start dropping in, and eventually they did. I think one thing that I saw last year in Matt Carpenter was that the whole conversation about the shift kind of got in his head Mm -hmm. um which was strange because he seems so he seems so immune to that kind of thing but it looked like it was getting to him last year and he was you know trying to adapt perhaps instead of just doing what he's done so well for most of his career um the addition of Jeff Albert, I think, is really interesting, and Alex and I talked a little bit about this last week. It's it's an easy story to write in the offseason to say, oh, this new coach is going to change everything for, for this team, whether it's a pitching coach or a hitting coach or whatever it is, but... Jeff Albert to me is really interesting because he seems to have this really strong reputation with players as being that bridge between the analytics and the, the baseball guys. And um, it seems to me like that's the kind of guy that can help someone like Matt Carpenter figure out how to not go into these deep slumps, as well as help a guy like Colton Wong figure out how to you know find himself as a hitter. And someone who can do both of those things Man, that's a guy I want on my team. Yeah, absolutely. So 2019 for Matt Carpenter, for it to be the kind of year that uh, that everyone would consider a success. Well, I don't know about everyone. There are people who are never never going to be happy. So (laughs) (laughs) for the majority of people who are reasonable in their approach to, to watching and analyzing baseball Um, for 2019 to be a success. I mean, we've seen the highest of highs with Matt Carpenter in August of last year. We've seen the lowest of lows where he even was unsure of whether or not he was going to turn the corner, Um, moving to a new position, all these things we've talked about. What to you, Nick is this, consistent, complete season for Matt Carpenter? What's the best version of him, the guy that you want out there, whether it's at leadoff or not every night?
1: I think the guy that I want is just a guy who puts together um, really good at bats, like every time at the plate, uh, works the walks like Matt Carpenter does. I mean, something around like, uh, I don't know, like a 270, 280 batting average and somewhere near a 400 on base percentage. I know that's probably asking a lot, but it's kind of, what mac carpenter does Mm -hmm. um and just really i don't know just kind of just like i said just kind of like uh, like i said i go by the eye test a lot so i just really want to see him keep being him like somewhere in between where he started last year and where he was in august because he doesn't need to be hitting you know 10 home runs a, a week like he was i don't even i mean that's obviously not true but like somewhere in it the it. seriously, it did. Like <laughs> yeah. he was hitting a home run every single day, and then he hit three yeah. against the Cubs. I mean, it's it was crazy. But I mean, just just somewhere in between those two spaces will. I mean, he's he's my favorite player. So I mean, anywhere in between those two places will make me happy.
0: I, hey, I would be fine with that as well. And <sighs> then defensively, are you concerned? About third base, or do you feel like that is maybe a little overblown this offseason as well?
1: I think it's a little overblown. Um, I'm not necessarily sure that it's going to be my favorite position um, just because I do like, I love watching Colton Wong play second base. So I'm probably going to say, like, it, I'm definitely obviously not going to expect something like that there. But as long as he just keeps being consistent at third base, like he has been, which a lot of people apparently don't agree with, but that, <laughs> like he has been. I'm going to be fine with it.
0: Yeah, I I feel about Matt Carpenter at third the way that I do about Colton Wong as a hitter and that sounds confusing, but let me explain. Um if everyone else around him is doing their job, it shouldn't matter. Right. <laughs> if everyone else on the infield is fielding their position to their potential, then Matt Carpenter will be fine cuz he won't have to be this otherworldly third baseman. Same thing for Colton Wong at the plate if everyone else in the lineup is hitting like they should he's not the guy that the offense is going to hinge right. around so I feel like for me I get it I get why people are concerned because you know you think of third base as a far more defensive um, heavy position there's a reason that guys late in their career when they're not as athletic move to first base right, right. Um, but I don't think that Matt Carpenter is the guy that you want to doubt?
1: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that's kind of how baseball works though, is just everybody has their strengths and their weaknesses, unless we're talking about people like Mike Trout or like Bryce Harper. I mean, even Bryce Harper is not the best outfielder, but it's just people, baseball players, it's a team of nine and a lot of people are really good hitters and a lot of people are really good fielders. And they're just kind of there to compliment each other and and pick each other up. And Matt Carpenter is not there because he's the best third baseman in the world he's there because of how well he can hit and like you said if other people are doing their jobs then his fielding really shouldn't make that big of a difference
0: yeah. Yeah. I don't think he's going to be um, a- enough of a liability Yeah, <laughs> uh, that-, that it's going to be a difference maker defensively. Um, so normally this part of the show, I turn it over to Alex and he gives you a really cool chirp of the week. I'm not so great at that. And uh, I also was very unprepared um, for this last minute uh, search for something. So rather than
1: 15 yeah. minutes ago.
0: Uh, Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So uh, rather than give you some like deep historical, you know, from the depths of the resources of the internet, uh, I'm just going to keep talking about Matt Carpenter and and basically um, re-share some information from Jeff Sullivan at FanGraphs because I find this very interesting. Um, we talked a lot, and especially last year, launch angle was the thing to talk about, and and most people talked about it very poorly. <laughs> um, but nonetheless, the idea is that there's a there's a range that seems to be the most effective. And it's not the same for every player. It's the, the launch angle isn't a, an exact science as far as what works for every guy. Um, but I did find this article that was written in the middle of that August run last year for Matt Carpenter. Very interesting. It's just called understanding Matt Carpenter. Um, and the basic conclusion of this article is that there was no one better in baseball last year at, finding the right launch angle for them. That's what made Matt Carpenter so successful. Um, The ideal batted balls rate for Matt Carpenter, which sounds really complicated, but basically you find this launch angle range that works for you. Um, And 56% of his batted balls were within that launch angle range, Uh, which at the time, as of August 14th of last year, I didn't look for an updated list because again, this was very last minute <laughs> um it it was the best uh in baseball it just it, more than anything goes to show uh that matt carpenter can be that consistent and when he finds that consistency in the swing in the mechanics of his approach in in all of those things um he's as consistent as anyone else the 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 comparison in this article is Joey vado um because they're talking about uh the Infield flies per fly ball, which is kind of the counterpoint to this whole launch angle thing, right? If you hit the ball in the air, how often is it an infield fly versus a fly ball that can turn into a base hit? Joey Votto never hits pop ups. Matt Carpenter hit pop ups at at a 1% rate. (laughs) 1% of his batted balls were popped up. So his consistency in that swing, um, was what made him really successful in August. So not a, not a deep dive into, um, the history of the universe like Alex usually does, but just a reminder that when Matt Carpenter gets things going, um, he's as consistent as anyone in the game. And that is what makes him as good as anyone in the game as well.
1: I really like everything that you just said, because it makes me feel like my eye test isn't crazy. Um, <laughs> Because I, I am not really huge into like um, very deep statistics and very advanced analytics, but I just think that you can tell when you watch Matt Carpenter, he just just makes good contact and like you say, he never hits infield fly balls, which just make you groan. And anytime you're getting compared to or I mean getting talked about in the same conversation with Joey Votto as a batter, then I mean you're obviously pretty dang good.
0: Yeah, you're doing something right yeah. at that point. Probably a lot of things. I just like the last line of this uh, um, this article. It says, understanding Carpenter is a little like understanding jazz. It's as much about the batted balls he doesn't hit. He doesn't hit many of the bad ones. It's more of the good ones yeah. that fill up a season.
1: <laughs> Carpenter needs robo-ump, honestly.
0: Yes, yes. <laughs> and... Perhaps no one more than Matt Carpenter. Absolutely. And honestly, I think that's uh, what bothers some people is that um, he always thinks he's right about the strike zone. But you know what? A lot of he usually he is. is. Yeah. <laughs> so I'll give him that every once in a while if he's, if he's wrong about a call because most of the time he's not. Well, Nick, thank you for hanging out and talking about Matt Carpenter um, because, uh, like I said, would have been very lonely and very strange if I tried to have this argument with myself. (laughs)
1: Absolutely. I really enjoyed it
0: excellent well Alex should be back next week but who knows we'll see uh at this point I might get stuck somewhere in the polar vortex while I'm traveling so um if that doesn't happen we'll be back with you next week you can follow me on twitter at Tara Wellman you can follow Nick on twitter at nchill17 is that right did I get it right yeah you got it okay all right and you can follow Alex at AlexCards79 wish him well I think he's got the flu Um, and you know, it's the, that time of year, I guess I hear it's going around. I'm trying to avoid it. Um, but we'll be back with you next week at birds on the black. Make sure you subscribe or like or follow or whatever it is that you do on whatever device and app and service you're listening to this on and share it with a friend because sharing is caring and we'll talk to you next week.